This this is the Impressions Exchange Podcast. Impressions Exchange Podcast. Where all topics impacting the graphic imaging and printing industry are addressed via in-depth news coverage, analysis, and timely interviews. Hi, I'm Denise Gustafson, Editorial Director for Printing United Alliance and the guest host for this special Printing Impressions podcast series in celebration of Women's History Month, highlighting the women in the printing industry. During this series, I'll have the opportunity to talk with women from all segments of the industry about their experiences and their journey as a woman in the printing industry. So today, it's my pleasure to welcome Jennifer Ventola. She's Director of Production Services, Outfront Media, based in New York. So Jennifer, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So can you tell me a little bit about the work that you do for Outfront Media? Sure. Right now, obviously, Outfront, for those who don't know, Outfront Media is a media vendor for out of home. They have billboards and transit materials and posters and buses all through all nationally. So I am tasked to handle the procurement of the printing. So we don't have an actual facility for printing. So I utilize a few different vendors throughout the country and we source print for multiple markets. There's like 38 markets nationally. So we have production managers in a lot of the markets. We have some regional groups that handle production and I oversee all of it, transit and outdoor. Very cool. So how long have you been with Outfront? It was just four years in January. So this is my first this is my first time actually being on the vendor side. I've been on the printing side in manufacturing. That's where I started. And then I went from there to media, the media buying agencies. And I ran print production divisions or departments for them for an added value. And so that's how I got solicited here. Someone on that end came here, thought that it would be a good fit. We had transit as far as production revenue but we never had like fully outdoor capturing revenue. So now we kind of do all of it. So it's almost like a turnkey service for our clients. Very, very cool. I'm sure they love that kind of turnkey service, especially nowadays. Yeah, nobody wants to do anything, which you know what, it's good for us because we know it's easy. We just handle it soup to nuts and it gets done and we make money on all facets of it. It helps. I mean, in some instances, good and bad, there's only one throat to choke too. If there's a problem, they have one person as a point person to go to and they don't have to worry about, well, was it this person, that person, the other person? Oh, well, we deal right. with 10 people on this one project. They now have one point of contact. Exactly. Exactly. It makes life a lot easier. How did you first get started in printing? Now, you said you were on the manufacturing side to start with. Yes, but you've only actually, been yeah. out front for four years. So yeah, I've been doing this. Oh, God, I think I'm going to date myself, but it's been 25 years now. Almost. Hey, you're right on task with me. Yeah. I've been in the industry 25 years too. So really scary. Um, I started out, I, I, after I graduated college, I got a part-time job at a sign company answering the phones just because I was debating if I was going to go to law school or not. And I just said, oh, I'll just take this job and make some money and go from there and, you know, get my stats together. And then one of the production project managers quit. And so they offered me the job at the end of the summer. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'll make a little money and save some more money and whatever. And then the next thing I know, six, eight months down the line, the production manager quit. And then I was running production for the small sign company in uh, what was called the Sign Works in, um, where were they? Hawthorne, New York. So, okay. which is like in, in Westchester. 
So that's how I started. And then from there, I went into the city and I got my first large format gig at uh, King Displays, which was a theatrical company. Yeah, I know King. Yeah. So Wayne Zapper. Mm-hmm. So he gave me my start and he had another company called King Graphic Technologies, which did the large format outdoor. And then from there, I stayed on the print production at a home side and did billboards and all that kind of stuff. So I've kind of worked for everybody in New York that you possibly could have on the uh, print production side of <laughs> of New York. Well, that's good, though. You get to get a lot of different experiences, a lot of different perspectives as well. Yeah, I'm definitely well-rounded in the sense that I've had signage experience. I've had offset printing, silk screening, traditional RGB kind of Duratrans and film products. I'm really going to date myself to the now out of home production. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been lucky and I've been fortunate in that regard that I've worked for a lot of good people. So originally you were going to be a lawyer. Is that what yeah. I heard you say? Yes. Can you, well, I mean, you know, if you knew me well, you would say it's probably appropriate, but uh, yeah, I, I've always wanted to be a lawyer and it's never left me. So sadly, but you're in printing. I'm in printing and I've been in printing. I love it. I can't get out of it because I do love what I do. And it kind of sucks you in our, our industry really it does suck you in. You get stuck and, and especially on the media advertising side, it's just, I don't know. It's like a little family. Definitely is. So, I mean, I love what I do and I'm, I'm fortunate to do it, but I think in the grand scheme of things that, you know, the one decision down the road, if I would have not taken that stupid job and maybe Mm -hmm. listened to my dad and my trajectory would have been different, but my life wouldn't be the same. And I wouldn't have met my husband and I have such a great set of friends and it worked out. No regrets. The path less traveled. Is that what they say? Yes, that's right. The path less traveled. So you did the production, you did that, but then you moved over to the agency side. Right. So on the agency side, I did this. I mean, I I always was in customer service or production as far Mm -hmm. as large format. So I've, I've ran facilities. I've worked in the shops, overseen the the floor, the finishing guys, the digital side, the pre-press customer service. And then I had the opportunity to go from a print production company to Kinetic, which was a media buying agency. And Kinetic was with Group M at the time. I went with them to open up a print production business unit within the media buying agency to specifically offer a turnkey service for the media buying people. So in other words, they can sell the media and then they can also sell the printing and give them soup to nuts one thing. And so for I went to two or three media buying agencies and either started a print production division or I took over from production division to specifically increase revenue and you know lower costs. And then I came here. So I've just I've jumped around every few years, but I think finally, I think the longest place I've ever been was at Kinetic. I was there for six or seven years. And then from there, I went to Posterscope. There was a few others in between and (laughs) now I'm here. (laughs) So I've jumped around, but I mean, my heart is in the manufacturing end, but I don't miss like the hours, the long hours and being on press and being responsible and lugging stuff to FedEx to make sure you get the last shipment out. So I don't miss any of that. I have a little bit of that here. I get to go some press checks and I get to visit all my shops who we partner with. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have a lot of client facing stuff and I deal with a lot of the sales staff. So it's a well-rounded position that I don't miss out on one thing. You get to keep your hands in yeah, and really get to to really see some of the things that you are working on from a, from the beginning to the end. Right. And it keeps my skill set up as far mm-hmm. as the materials that are out there, the, the hardware that's out there, the manufacturing types and, you know, 
equipment, printing machines, I kind of make sure that I stay on top of my side, even though I'm still on the vendor side, just mm -hmm. what I do here. So it's imperative to make sure that we're running correctly. Yeah. And that you know what the latest and greatest is. Right. Yeah. Over the course of your career, obviously you've worked with so many different people. Has there been one person or one or two people that really have been like some of your biggest influences on your career and really helped you to be successful? Yeah, I think, I think there's actually two. The first person that really helped me was a gentleman named Jimmy Catania. So when I was working at Mega Art, I left King Displays and went to Mega Art. When I was working there, he came from Quick International. They merged together. And he was the, he was like the shop manager, you know, the operations guy. And I was running customer service. And I think he really had an influence on me to realize that I could do a man's job. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. gave me the, he gave me the confidence and the, the ability to know that I was, that I belonged mm -hmm. and that, you know, my, my knowledge and my skill set was up to par with anybody else's. And I could do this even though I was a girl, which was surprising because he was probably 25 years older than me at the time, okay. but he never, he never kind of blinked about my role and what I did. And he really gave me that confidence that I could, I could kind of stand on my own. So he was a huge influence on me. And then when I went to the agency side with Kinetic, a lady named Connie Burrito, you may or may not have heard of her. She's mm -hmm. She's very huge in the media buying industry. She's like an icon. She was my boss in a few different places. And I went with her from one company to PosterScope. She just was a huge influence on me as far as knowing who you are as a person, owning what you say and living with your decisions. She just was fantastic. So I, I, I credit her for, for my success as far as being able to navigate these waters because they're not always easy being a woman in, in these types of jobs. Yeah. But I think without Jimmy's confidence, I wouldn't have been able to make it. Like, I really don't think I was young. I was probably like 24, 25. Mm -hmm. And I just think he helped me at the right time. Right place, right time. Yeah, really. I mean, it, it, he made he made a huge difference. And he always said to me, no, you need to know what you know and have the confidence that you know it. You know, it's like, because if you, if they, if you allow anybody to second guess you, then it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. And he was right. I always make sure I know. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's probably the biggest strength that anyone can have male or female. It yeah. doesn't matter. Right. As long, you know, your stuff, you're confident because you have that knowledge, you have that right. background. Exactly. But, you know, I mean, listen, you're a woman in the printing industry. I'm sure that you're aware you go into a place and right away, they think you're either someone's assistant or they think you don't, you're not really you're not there to tell them you're there to listen, maybe take notes and assist somebody else. Yeah. You know, so I think that that behavior, I think it's changed, changing, but I do think that you having that confidence to know what you know is, makes all the difference. Yeah. And I know that's one of the things about both the printing industry and also the out of home market is it's very, very much male. Yes. And it always has been. Yeah. It's getting better. Yes. But that takes time. As a female in, like you said, a man's world or, you know, having a, a quote unquote man's job, what have been some of the barriers that you've faced in your career or have you not, or you just kind of just go through and just power I mean, through them? I, listen, I've, I've definitely powered through them, but I mean, the barriers are, is that you're discredited before you say anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a place where I've been I'm in charge and I walk in with two men who were my subordinates 
and they immediately think that they'll shake one of their hands before they shake mine and they'll think that I'm working for them. And, you know, I, I expect that and I get it. And, you know, it's just a learned cultural thing. So it's, it's very hard to expect it, but then you almost get desensitized and you just kind of push through. And as long as, and that's why I think it's so important as women, we know we have to know more. We have to make sure we are prepared. We have to make sure we're knowledgeable and that we can go toe to toe with anybody because we're always kind of discounted prior. Maybe sub- subconscious that they do it, but I just think, yeah. you know, it's almost like that uh, subconscious bias, right? Mm-hmm. Unconscious bias. Yeah. Unconscious, thank you. Unconscious bias. So I just think that that's the case. And I mean, we do, we have great, in my company, we have great diversity, we have great inclusion, but we don't get to that higher level. There's mm-hmm. plenty of people of color, there's plenty of women, but they're not in positions that I see myself in. We have one or two mm-hmm. when you think of the level of people we have in this company, how many people we have in this company, and there's only maybe two or three women in key positions. You know, that's tough. How do we, how do we fix some of that? We just have to keep pushing through. Okay. I mean, you know, I mean, I think so many women have allowed me to be in the positions that I am. And I just think I have to kind of take that lead and get to that higher level to know that I have a seat at the table and I, I have a voice and I bring value. And I just think, you know, the old guards have to leave and the new guards have to come in. I think it's just, it's kind of just that simple that as we get older, that old school mentality tends to leave. The younger generation behind me don't don't have those kind of compartmentalized issues. You know, they don't look at things that way. They almost see all gray, whereas other people don't. It's like, it's kind of, it's very different. I'm noticing there's better, there's more change, but I just think we have to improve it. And as women, we just have to lift each other up and push each other through the door. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because yeah, men aren't going to do it for us. Some men are, but I would say most men aren't. They don't have that insight. They don't have, because they've they never experienced that the issues or the barriers that women may have faced. Right. Even if it's unconscious, they just right. don't, they just don't understand the, the need, like you said, for women always to have to prove themselves. Always, always. And, you know, now I almost, I kind of relish in it. You know what I mean? Now Mm -hmm. I kind of enjoy it. Just, I love showing people that I know what I'm doing. You know, it makes me happy to know that I've worked so hard and I can go toe to toe with anybody anytime and I'm, and I'm okay with it. Exactly. Now, one of the things I think a lot of women face in many industries, not just our industry, is the decision between having a career or having a family. And it's always that or. In many cases, people, women especially, feel they have to pick one. Right. Is that something that you had to deal with or that you were faced with that kind of a decision? Well, you know, I mean, I think I, I was fortunate in the sense that I knew at a young age, I didn't want to have children. Mm-hmm. So I think that helped me because not that I, I was able to concentrate on my career, but the pressure was off that I didn't have to choose because as a woman, you really are expected to choose and you either have to be career oriented or you have to raise your children. And once you come back from raising your children, you may not be on the same rung of the ladder you are. And then you have to decide, okay, I have to leave early because I have soccer. I have So I, I was fortunate that I didn't have to deal with that because I made a choice long ago that that wasn't what I, I didn't want children, but mm-hmm. you know, I have family responsibilities and I have animals and I have, I have things that may be looked down upon because 
I have a dog and someone has a child and the weight of one is heavier than the other, mm-hmm. you know, but I do think women have, it, it's a, it's, it's an unfair choice to have to struggle with that. And I see a lot of my colleagues battling with it every day where they feel that if they don't make the right choice and they don't pick the company, then they're not going to advance and they're not going to get the position. Or if they don't stay after work and have drinks with everybody or, or, you know, in those social settings, because Mm -hmm. you're putting in extra time that you're, oh, well, they're not a team player. They're not considered. I mean, it's unfortunately they have a harder choice than the men do, sadly. And I don't see, I don't know how much that's changed. I mean, I think now after COVID, post-COVID, where there's a lot of hybrid work environments, I think the pressure's off. We've proven the business model that people can be just as productive at home as they are at work in certain certain facets of business. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's kind of allowed people to realize that there's a better quality of life, family kind of work balance. But I think as women, we're always going to have to make that choice. And mm-hmm. it's just going to be... It's kind of our cross to bear. I hate to say it because I just don't, I don't see it changing. I really don't. One thing you mentioned that the younger generations that are coming up behind you see more gray. Yeah. Is it maybe that also they're in some ways helping us older ones deal with that work-life balance? Because maybe they're more with their partners, they're more, it's a partnership for them. They're raising the kids together, not necessarily one or the other. Right. You know, I think, you know, we're, I'm at the generation where, you know, I still could be what I wanted to be, but you still had that expectation like, oh, you're going to have to get married and you're going to have to have children because you're, that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even last week I was at the dog park with my dog and some woman who was probably 70 said to me, oh, do you have kids too? And so I said, I said, she asked me about my dog and I said, oh no, you know, I said, that's the only thing at home. She goes, you don't have children. And I said, no, she said, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, I'm okay. But it's just, it's that, I think it's that generational mentality where now the younger generation feel like it's something they're going to raise. They're going to raise children together. They're both working to support the house Mm -hmm. where those, there was definitive lines back in the day. And I grew up where it was a combination of, of such lines and maybe the man was the breadwinner, but the woman helped. And I think that's definitely changing. And I think the younger generation now is expecting more. They're expecting more from the businesses. They're mm-hmm. expecting more perks and more quality of life and just better, better balance. Whereas we didn't expect that. We, you worked, you had your job and you, you, you just work. And in some cases you wouldn't, you felt weird asking about having a more flexible schedule Mm -hmm. because there's always in the back of your mind going, well, if I put up too much of a fuss, maybe a, I'm going to get overlooked or maybe they'll think you're not worth keeping. Exactly. I'm I'm not all all in. Yeah. Someone else may be all in, or this person staying later than me. You know, Mm -hmm. there's all all the clock watchers. There's there's not not a lot of clock watching anymore. I mean, there were times I used to work at other agencies and I'd get in the elevator and it would be six o'clock and someone would look at their watch. They're like, oh, like you're, you know, you're leaving. Like just those types of things yeah. where but that doesn't happen as much anymore. That's a benefit. It is definitely a benefit. And I know one thing you mentioned earlier is that you have very few women in some of those key roles in leadership. Yeah. Why is it important for you to get more women in those kind of roles? Because I do think women elevate women. Okay. And I think the the 
skill set that a woman a woman brings to the table as far as not only empathy and understanding, but kind of like a sense of a different sense of calm where men are, and I don't want to say men are aggressive because I have my tendencies where I can be very aggressive and I want things done a certain way. But I think men have a very curt, different approach to things than women do. So I think having a balance of both brings the best in, in a company. It really does. It just brings the best in your workers and it brings the best outcome because you have such a diverse kind of outlook. It kind of just levels the playing field in the sense of the, the way women deal with things versus the way men deal with things. Mm-hmm. I just think it helps. And one woman mentioned something interesting. She mentioned, she referred to like that C-suite where if there's no women in it, kind of like an echo chamber mm-hmm. that there's only one voice. There's only right. one viewpoint Yeah. But by having the, the multiple, whether it's race, whether it's gender in some of those positions, it helps the businesses to really see more and explore more. Right. And I, I do think you reach a level of best practice. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have multiple cultures and multiple, I don't want to say sexes, but when you have men and women and you have, you know, multicultural, you really do bring the best out in everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you see everything from many different lenses and you can have a, a best practice of approach, whether, no matter what it is, mm-hmm. but I just think it makes such a difference, you know, and I've worked for, I've worked for men and women and, you know, sadly, in the beginnings of my career, I always felt like I, it would be harder to work for a woman. And I found that it, it's much easier to work for a woman in, in my career mm-hmm. than I have worked with men. Because they understand a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I think they're just more, women are just more empathetic. And I hate to say that, but I just think that they are. Mm-hmm. Listen, women make less money because we don't fight to make more money. Women take on more responsibility because we won't speak up for ourselves enough to tell them that we're being taken advantage of. But there's certain things that people know that women will accept because they feel like they want to be a team player. They don't want to shake the waters. They want to be nice. That's just part of who it is. When you think about it, you know, when I go into negotiate as far as getting a raise or getting a position that I want, I really have to put aside that I'm the woman because I I know if I, if I allow myself to think like a woman in those senses, I'll feel like I need to do the right thing for the company. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure I'm I'm helping out and doing the best for them versus, you know, I need to make sure I'm doing the best for me yeah while I'm helping them. You know, I think there's just a different outlook on the way you approach things because we as women want to take care of people. We want to do the right thing. We want to tease people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like men have a different outlook in the sense that they may want to help, but they're like, listen, this is what it is. And I'm not going to get taken advantage of. They just have a better way of communicating in that respect of um, knowing what they want and doing it. Whereas a woman will know what she wants, but I think a lot of times, not that they're afraid to say it, but they just want to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Could part of it also be expectation and the fact that it's expected that men are going to be that assertive. They're going to know exactly what they want, but women just, they, they're not, they don't have the confidence. They don't, I don't, I don't they're expected it's, not to, you know, yeah. be assertive. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say it's confident. I don't know if that if it's confidence other than okay. the fact that they want to do, they feel like it's important to do the right thing. Like mm-hmm. they want to be a team player. And part of being a team player is taking on things that really may not be your responsibility, but for the greater good. Yeah. And I think that 
I know as a woman, I've subjected myself to things like that multiple times. Mm-hmm. And now as I'm getting older, I see it quicker and I can identify it quicker and I could rip the bandaid off faster. Yeah. And then it's just learned, mm-hmm. you know. Because apparently women are a little too optimistic in some cases that, you know, by stepping outside, yeah. doing the extra, that'll be rewarded down right. the line. Exactly. Exactly. They're okay with the delayed gratification in a way. Right. Right. Whereas the guy's like, oh, no, what, what's this going right. to mean for me now if I do, if exactly. I do this? You want me to do an extra job or you want me to do two or three more responsibilities you don't want to pay me? I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. There's very few women that would say that they, you know, I'm at that point now in my career. I've kind of learned that behavior, but it took me a long time. Like the art of saying no is really something that has to be taught. Like you just doesn't come naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it doesn't. I know it doesn't come naturally for me. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like as women, we apologize too much for no reason. And we, we, we don't have that knack of how to say no the right way. Mm-hmm. So, and those are the two hardest things that I've, I've had to like learn in my career that I think I finally, I have finally gotten to that point after 25 years in this industry of knowing how to say no mm-hmm. and what my value is and not being such a people pleaser. I'm always for the best of the company, but I'm make, I have to make sure I protect myself. Yeah, it's important. Mm-hmm. Definitely very important. So as we're kind of wrapping this up, I wanted to step back a little bit, kind of do a little bit more from the 30,000 foot view. What do you think, or what would you, what do you wish you could tell people about the printing industry and about your career path? Well, I would tell people that I, I, I truly believe that the printing industry is exceptional in the sense of what we produce and the many facets of how we produce it is it's it's like no other industry in the sense of how we make things and as far as like my career in the printing industry it's my career has kind of been back and forth within print so i've done small format large format out of home standard press work so i mean i think it, there's such a vast knowledge and skill set there that you can kind of pick a niche or you can kind of become a well-rounded individual. I think there's a good opportunity and I, I hope it's not dying off. I mean, they tell me, I think I've been hearing this my entire career that print is, well, digital is going to replace print and print's going to be forgotten and it hasn't happened. I mean, yes, it's changed and shifted, but I, I think it's, I think it's one of the last great industries as far as what we do here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've heard that the same thing, especially in the wide format side. Oh, it's all going to be replaced by digital billboards and whatnot, but it, it's happened in some places. Yes. And in certain certain components, but I mean, they really did. There was a push for a while, maybe 15 years ago, that really digital was going to overtake print. There wasn't going to be any static billboards. And then they wouldn't allow all the illumination and the movement on the billboards. So, you know, static static is still king, even in in my company now probably 60% of what we do is static. We have tons of digital and we're slowly changing over and acquiring new locations that are becoming digital. Mm-hmm. But you know, print between newspaper and, and magazines and adver- out-of-home advertising and books, and I just don't see it dying. And I see it such a specialized, beautiful kind of industry because there's just so many different facets of it. And it can be so, so creative. I mean, I've yeah. seen so many, whether it's an installation that it's it ends up being 3D or other right. things. There's so much that can be done that gets people's attention. Some ways, I think more than even like some of the digital billboards. Yeah. 
and 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 the attention to detail and the the what they can do as far as printing on all the different fabrics and boards and materials and mm -hmm. like the technology. I don't know. I just feel like we've come such a long way from where we were, and to see it evolve and be a part of it is is actually it's great. I love it. So, in conclusion, uh, one of my favorite questions that I ask is, knowing what you know now in your 25 years of experience in the industry, what advice would you give to yourself if you were just starting out? <laughs> Run away. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I guess I would just, I would just tell myself to, to be a little thicker skinned when I was younger. Let it, let it roll off you a little bit. I think I took a lot of, a lot of things to heart when I was younger. And I think um, I didn't have anybody to tell me that initially. You know what I mean? It took a few years. And when I met Jimmy Catania, he kind of mm -hmm. changed my outlook on shaking stuff off and keeping your head down and just plowing through. But yeah, I wonder, I don't know if I would actually tell myself to stay in it, <laughs> go to law school. But yeah, I love it. I'm here and I'm in it. So it is what it is. Yeah. For you, it was one of those, those A or B decisions. You were at yeah. that cross, yeah. you know, that path in your life. Yeah. You know, which way do you go? Yeah. And I actually, I wouldn't, I really wouldn't change it. I mean, if we're all kidding aside, I wouldn't change it. Cause I really, I've really learned so much and I've met so many great people and wouldn't have met my husband. I just wouldn't have have this well-rounded life that I have. So that's a blessing and I wouldn't change that. Well, Jennifer, it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Uh, thank you so much, Denise. I really appreciate the time. And thank you for reaching out to me. That was wonderful. Yeah, it was awesome. So um, thanks again. And I can't wait to chat with you another time and pick your brain on other stuff. Absolutely. Anytime. 